Hey guys, welcome to episode 11 of the To Be Frank podcast. So, Jason, how was your week? My week's been pretty good. Um, haven't been doing too much really, just working more on my book and uh, getting ready to go away and stuff like that. Been a little bit hectic, but uh, it's not been too bad really. I've just been, you know, same old stuff. Yeah. What about you? Pretty much the same, pretty chill. I did get, um, finally got my, like, honours acceptance thing, so now oh, yeah. it's like, accepted, that's like locked in, but I need to uh, submit some, like, police vetting thing. Just What's to, that for? Oh, just because if you do, like, a health degree, they have to check you're not, like, a psychopath. Right, fair just, enough, like, fair enough, yeah. That kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, I, pretty chill I've, otherwise, though. I've been vetted before, police vetted before, but that's because I work with children oh yeah that definitely um, makes sense yeah so i was just wondering why you would need to be but i guess it makes yeah. sense because you don't want like some crazy but i just like yeah just doing crazy shit yeah, yeah. like like <laughs> and then, like there's things that happen but like in podiatry the biggest drama is when like someone trims someone's fingernails because that's like completely illegal is it yeah like you go to jail for that or like you you why? definitely get kicked out of being out of registration what if they like just because you're like your scope of practice is the foot and not nails hip, hip you hip and down not even nails but you understand nails at a very high level <laughs> but like like no one knows more about toenails and so if you trim the toenails you're done if you know you no, no, if you trim the fingernails oh right 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 then you're going you're that's really problematic what if they ask you hey can you trim my nails still not no matter you just have what. to say no this is it has to be oh, like some undercover like people sometimes do it I've heard the rumours in the community it's a small community in New Zealand podiatry but um people do sometimes trim fingernails but you can't like write notes about it or like make anyone yeah let, let anyone know that you do it and why it's pretty good that I don't <laughs> practice so this is not coming from a practicing podiatrist why is it a thing like why would you clip someone's fingernails anyway Oh, like, for instance, um, but I just do do a lot of fingernail, like, I mean, toenail work. Right. Like, let's say someone has an ingrown toenail that's, like, or they, they've they got, like, a complication, like, diabetes, or they, they have, like, cancer. So, like, they have impaired blood flow to their feet. Right. So that could, if they had a lesion there because of an ingrown toenail, that could lead to further complications. Yeah. So it's, like, you could try and do it yourself, or you could, like... Get a podiatrist, like get in there with a scalpel. Right. But it's like, yeah, it's definitely not like trimming toenails to make them look nice. But uh, people, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. If you do anything on the hand, no, it doesn't matter. And it's the same thing. Like they'll be like, they want an ingrown toenail taken out on the hand. Not a chance. No right. one, no one, no one's allowed to do it except, I think doctors could maybe do it. Right. Do they have like? <laughs> They're allowed the, to do more. The hand things. version of podiatrists exists? No. Yeah. No, no, definitely not. Hand, phys- hand physiotherapists. But podiatrists is so unique because, like, we, we don't have a specialty. Like, we specialize in musculoskeletal um, biomechanical analysis and, like, making someone better. So, like, performance yeah. in general. And then also, like, treating someone with diabetes. And, like, um, we do learn a lot about, like, medicine and pharmacology. But. And most of your scope of practice is um, sort of general care, which is like upkeep of someone's yeah. um, sort of foot health and making sure that, because like a lot of risk factors start from the foot. Like diabetes, uh, neuropathy, um, 
can't think of any other systemic conditions, although I know there is many. Um, but like diabetes, for instance, the first place that you can tell that a patient has diabetes is in the foot. Like you start, like they're having complications. Over. Obviously, if you test tested the HbA1c, but people don't go and get that tested, yeah. which is like a measure of blood glucose. But if you don't do that, then it's kind of like they might just go to a podiatrist for something else, and then the podiatrist is like, "Oh shit, you, you have a problem. Like something's yeah. wrong." Because they'll just do some tests that take like ten seconds. Okay. Because it's just so distant from the heart. It's Can you see my foot if I've got any problems? Oh yeah, it's. That thing there, it's probably not actually problematic. Oh, that's <laughs> that's just from like, that's just a scab. No, like you're good. Scab. You're good. I reckon in general, they look healthy. Like there's no, okay. you don't have any like obvious, but you, you never know. But I mean, you're young, so like yeah. your risk factor for any lifestyle disease is like zero, like very very low. But it does depend like what you do from here. Yeah. But in general, like you're still swinging the mace around. Yeah. Have we talked about that on the podcast? I think we have. Yeah, because that is... We talked about, like, gymming and exercise and all that. Yeah, because I think that mace strategy is actually, like, pretty pretty intelligent. Because you you don't need much exercise to achieve, like, pretty good health benefits from mm. exercise. And that would give you pretty much everything. Yeah. Because, like, do you get cardiovascular text from that sometimes? Like, puffed out, you yeah. mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> puffed, yeah. We're not on hypertrophy health. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Like, sometimes I'll go hard with it, sometimes I'll just be more kind of mm. easy, trying to keep it at an average level. Mm. Um, That's true. Yeah, you get puffed out with it. Yeah, seems like a useful um, strategy. So, um, do you want to talk about this podcast that I've been listening to? It's sort of like... So I've been listening to this podcast on Buddhism basically to try and like combat stoicism because yeah. like obviously I've been engulfed in stoicism and it's like you kind yeah. of need things to Why combat Why your point of view? Yeah, because yeah. it's like people keep telling me that there's critiques of stoicism but then I like I haven't been I haven't run into anything that is convincing. Yeah. So it's like if stoicism is problematic I'd like to find out. Um, so then I've been listening to this podcast about Buddhism and it's basically like it's, it's, it's like secular Buddhism, so it's like, I think it basically means no religion involved in the Buddhism, but it's pretty, I don't know, I'm finding it quite nice to listen to, but it's definitely like the, some of the things I'm having to sit there and ponder on the utility of them in some ways, but maybe it's like just my understanding of it, but some of it like I think is quite useful potentially, but I don't know if I'm understanding it from the right lens potentially. Like for instance, one of the ideas that they talk about is sort of this like illusion of the ego and the ego in this definition not being like uh, overconfidence or, or, or rational confidence um, but more being a sense of like this illusion of you because it's like you in this in the real sense kind of don't exist like for instance if you took your hands off would your hands still be you or like are your hands yeah. a part of you etc like it's a he, he explained the concepts really nicely on the podcast but like I, I'm finding it a bit weird um, to, uh, not a bit weird, but like, it's definitely different to Stoicism. Um, and it is intriguing though, yeah. because it feels like it's promoting a very like sort of detached sense of, from like materialistic sort of pursuits yeah. in general, which is strange because most of my life I've sort of been like materialism, yeah. chase that shit get more money, get blah, yeah. blah, blah, <laughs> like, just work hard as fuck, like, 
but it's like oh and i know that's somewhat problematic like yeah you need to add some and then there likely is a balance but it is weird to be actively seeking out messaging that's the opposite of that in yeah. some ways i mean with stoic my understanding of stoicism at least um teaches to uh, accept things as they are like mm. um if, if don't worry about the things you can't change that sort of thing um it's like for example if you're the emperor of rome mm. don't go and renounce that position um yes. don't go and become a, a monk and and detach yourself from all the duties and privileges of being the roman emperor mm. same with if you're just a um a farmer you don't go and um be concerned that you're not the emperor you or you and you don't go and give up your farm or you don't um necessarily need to like it's a, a philosophy of contentment more or less is that right mm. yeah, that's, yeah. What it, that's what it feels like like i mean i feel as though with philosophy especially in the way mm. we sort of consume it in the modern way like when i've consumed like like stoicism and things like that it's like it's often like i'll read a book about a theme of stoicism like Ryan Holiday's books, I don't think, are, like, a complete understanding of Stoicism. Like, it's mm. definitely an inc- incomplete understanding. Not his understanding, but more, like, the books. If you just read the trilogy, sort of, like, yeah. Here's the Enemy, Obstacles of the Way, etc. It would like, be a more secular Stoicism as well. Oh, 100%, yeah. I mean, there's one chapter, maybe, in Stones is the Key, that kind of acknowledges some sort of... It's very similar. This is the one that referenced Buddhist philosophy the most. Um, okay. Because it sort of talks about, like you should be okay. Like, it, it, the, the whole idea of stillness is the key is, like, s- don't just seek, like, quiet, but it's, like, try and be okay with how things are. It's, like, for instance, you should spend more time uh, on relationships yeah. and spend more time on things of that nature rather than, like, this materialistic pursuit. So it's definitely, like, that particular book does have elements of it. Yeah. But I... And I think but that's the most similar to Buddhism. But then a lot of the other philosophy is like, how much influence can you have on the world? Yeah. What can you do? What's in your power? Um, and it's sort of very like locus of control um, based. And I, I quite like that aspect of it. Yeah. But I think it's definitely in contrast to Buddhism. Um, and I guess secular Buddhism um, from what I've seen on this podcast. So I guess my understanding is pretty much... Yeah, from that podcast, and it's been like four episodes. Can you elaborate more on what you mean by like, or what the podcast means by secular Buddhism? Because the word secular can mean several things. Um, mm. Like you, you could use the word secular to refer to like a separation of church and state. So with with a, a state where the government has no religious influence in it, mm. um, or you could use secular to refer to. Um, like something non-religious i would say primarily like non-religious but i don't think it's necessarily saying religion shouldn't be involved like it's trying to be i guess it's trying to be like hey this is not necessarily a religious podcast yeah but it's not like necessarily religious exclusive yeah um like i think it's looking at it more as a philosophy um than a religion most definitely so what is like the goal of secular buddhism Mm, that's a good question like what is it um um, like for example stoicism its goal is um i think there's i guess what you could what they would call in greek eudaimonia yeah yeah the word yeah meaning 
like happiness, but um, mm. it's not sort of constant smiling, but mm. uh, like a, a bliss or a mm. um, I think it doesn't necessarily sort of just mean like um, pure elation yeah. all the time. Like it's not like you've got a constant rush of dopamine. Like that's not what it means. But happiness is mm. probably the best way to translate. I'd say it. Buddhism maybe aims. Well, this secular Buddhist podcast sort of is more portraying like this sort of contentment in general, but it doesn't, I haven't heard anything so far that's been like, here's how you can, there's nothing that's been aimed at producing more or being more powerful or anything of that nature. Like it's very detached from anything that could uh, put you on sort of a, a... running on a hierarchy yeah i guess like they and it's completely detached from that which is interesting in comparison to stoicism i think because right. stoicism seems to be like well at least the way ryan holiday has portrayed it and then my meaning is probably my sort of understanding of stoicism has sort of been branched from there yeah and then um it's definitely been along the lines of like you should try and work harder in general so you can like exert your force on the world yeah. for good yeah what about um does it does the secular buddhism talk about the soul at all mm. or anything like that like what is it um i guess a better question would be if you strip away all this ego like the, the illusion of ego and that sort of thing mm. if you take all that away uh what are you left with yeah that's the thing i was listening to the podcast about the illusion of ego i think it was episode two um and it was like there wasn't a very concrete answer right. and it was i guess it was sort of leaving it open to interpretation um sort of like if you think this nothingness or, or yeah this sort of thing is like the soul or something like that then it's like that's fine but i don't think he i to my knowledge at least for what i remember he didn't seem to be like we can definitely we can definitely look at it this way. Like, it was very... This is just yeah. maybe a way you should look at it. And I feel like that's what a lot of what he's saying is, like, this is maybe a way to look at things rather than being, like, this is the way it is. Yeah. Which is interesting. Like, it's more... He's trying to be very suggestive rather than making um, concrete statements about things. So it's, it's. I think it would be very hard to independently listen to this podcast and be like, this is... Um, frustrating to listen to yeah. or something or like this just isn't for me like i think if, yeah yeah if you didn't have any preconceived notions of buddhism like, and you just went into it and you're like what is this about i think most people would be pretty sort of like oh this is fine yeah i think it was very very well communicated right. and like in general i think i did enjoy it um and i'll probably listen to more okay but i um i don't know if it's maybe problematic to listen to it and like this is how you, i'm gonna seek out philosophy but then do maybe podcasts for instance downgrade the utility of that because it's like people always talk about one of the main critiques of ryan holiday is like he's selling stoicism as yeah. like buy my daily stoic program or buy yeah. my daily stoic coin buy my memento mori coin yeah um and like these are these are real things and then He'll have, like, Daily Stoic Instagram page. And, like, people look at him doing that. And then a lot of his more sort of online, more modern content. 
But I don't know if modern content about stoicism is necessarily um, problematic. But maybe it's the packaging of it. Yeah. Ma- packaging of philosophy into, like, this bite-sized chunk. Yeah. So you don't really have to do any work to, like, understand it. But I, I don't know if that's even useful. Like, if, if an element of work to achieve a better understanding of philosophy is, like, useful. Well, yeah. I don't know if the modern interpretation of it actually degrades it in any in any sense. I would say a lot of modern interpretations of philosophy, or at least of ancient philosophy, so like, let's say, pre-14th century philosophies, or pre-15th century, if I want to be generous, philosophies, <laughs> um, at least Western ones, are... Uh, I think it, modern interpretations do degrade it in a way because we do, for example, try to make it secular. Mm. Um, we try to make it so that it can um, it can a- a- apply to anyone who doesn't believe in any sort of higher being or higher realm or whatever. Um, like, for example, Buddhism um, talks about atta- detaching from the material world. Um, it... it it talks about getting rid of all attachments of anything that is holding you to the world of matter um, for the reason that it's all illusion, that the material world isn't mm. real and that it's all uh, just like, like a dream. Um, but a lot of these sort of modern secularized um, interpretations of um, ancient or Eastern philosophies uh, ironically tend to only focus on the material world like they'll talk about um detachment from things like ego the illusion of Mm. ego that sort of thing but it's always um what are you left with once you strip away the ego well you're just still left with a you're still in the material world yeah so they'll just like um they'll they'll identify the person as something material something maybe the brain or like uh something like that Mm. um so there's no kind of notion of things like a soul or something like that. Yeah, there's, there's, um, I feel like the spiritual aspect yeah. is just kind of taken out a little. Yeah, bit. like a lot, like the whole point of a lot of these philosophies is the spiritual side of it. But then I guess, like, it, I I think because when someone, I often think when people are secular, right, or like they are non-religious, yeah, it's like they're looking at any form of religion as just like that's parts where science can look. Yeah. So it's like we just won't look there, yeah. and it's like. I don't know, but then, because th- my thing is, I'm, I'm very, very conflicted, because it's like, there's lots of people I know who are religious, and they're like, yeah, it's, it's fine, and they seem to live very fulfilling lives about yeah. it, right? But then people on, people will be like, oh no, science can't look there, so I just, it, it can't be explained, and like, yeah. there's a lot of like, the four horsemen shit, yeah. and it, like, <laughs> I, like, I kind of find it problematic, because it's like, I guess they're arguing that religions um, lead to negatives in the world. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know, like, is that wide-scale, massive religions? Like, when I look at paganism, I'm not like, oh, that is causing havoc, yeah. <laughs> you know? like. Well, that's mainly because we were snuffed out, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> so there's not really, we don't really have the power to cause havoc if we wanted to. Um, I mean, of course, pagans in the past, pagan societies caused problems mm. um but um i do think that it 
a lot of the time it's not a problem with religion, but a problem with the, the people having those religions um, causing uh, havoc or problems or whatever you identify those problems as. Um, but like, yeah, I, I get what you are saying. There's this idea that um, we, we want to be secular. We want to be mm. irreligious. Um, yeah. And so we come up, we like, we see the value in things like Buddhism or in Stoicism, yes. but we don't want to, uh, we don't want to take the step into the spiritual side of it. So we just take what is, what yeah. we're able and to from it that like can it's... fit into a secular mindset. Yeah. And so like, I mean, it still has some use. Um, for example, secular Buddhism, whether it's like, like, I don't know if what I'm talking about is the same stuff on that podcast, but just attempts to secularize Eastern or ancient philosophies like Stoicism, for example, mm. modern Stoicism is very secular philosophy. Yeah. Um, the, it has use, but that use is always material. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's always, um, to help you with, um, either feeling better about yourself, um, to feel more content, less anxious, less depressed, that sort of thing, to, um, to, you know, help you with your ambitions, your pursuits, to make you work harder or work better, mm. um, all these sorts of things, to improve relationships, that sort of stuff. Mm. And it's um, like general, it, there's no improvement in some sort of quality of life marker. That feels as though the philosophy isn't doing its job or something. Yeah. And it's like, there's, like, when I look at paganism, it seems as though there's, like, some kind of giving back. Yeah. Or, like, um, I don't know, like, trying to acknowledge that. Yeah. But I guess that's... Oh, I mean, even, like, hmm. even without all the spiritual stuff, a lot of these philosophies have that value in that they can help improve your quality of life. Hmm. Um, but it's always the quality of your material life. It's always, like... It only matters up until you die, basically. Hmm. Um, modern Stoicism, secular Buddhism, um, even like modern Platonism, which is really problematic, um, <laughs> because I, I, I can kind of see how you might interpret eudaimonia as material happiness, or um, enlightenment as like a contentment. But in Platonism, the pursuit is definitely 100% something beyond the material world. Like, you can't take that away from it. But anyway, um, these secularized philosophies have value, but it's always material value. And I guess that's what's my... That's, that is what my problem with it is. Um, it's always... Uh, it, it, it's kind of contradictory in that it teaches to shed detachments... Uh, sorry, shed attachments, but keeps you still attached to the material world. Like, it mm. kind of misses the core of that philosophy. Like, from my understanding of traditional Buddhism, um, the, the main goal... Um, I mean, Buddhism is very diverse, and so it's hard to paint the whole... all these different Buddhist traditions with one brush. But if we are to kind of generalize, um, generally, in traditional Buddhism, the main goal is to um, get rid of attachments in order to escape the cycle of death and rebirth. Um, so it's the idea that when you die, you're then reborn into another body again and again and again, pretty much forever, mm. um, never ending, unless you, uh, you know, detach from the material world. Um, yeah. So the things that bring you back are attachments. The things that make you come back into the material world when mm. you die, that make you come back into the illusion are things like um, uh, relationships, mm. um, ambitions, duties, 
things like that um that made you come back because it's like the whole idea of um uh, of ghosts for example in the western mind often are trapped in the world because they um have some unfinished business it's kind of like that but like on a much grander scale mm. like you have unfinished business and that you still haven't satisfied all your desires like oh, when you're on your deathbed and you so die, you haven't satisfied your desires for food, sex, ambition, duty, mm. honor, fame, wealth, whatever. Um, and so you come back into the world to fulfill those. And obviously, because they are temporary, they're never fulfilled. It's a constant cycle. And so the goal with Buddhism is to detach from this cycle mm. and to escape it and enter um, basically the void, basically nothingness, um, what they call nirvana. Um, which is free of all suffering. So the idea is that these attachments cause suffering and that the only way to stop suffering in the world is to detach from it. Um, and so when we secularize Buddhism, we take that one point. We take, okay, so the world cause, attachment causes suffering. Ego mm. causes suffering. So how do we reduce that suffering? Um, but it's always, it's, it never goes beyond the material world. It never goes into... The idea like that you're going to come back and suffer again and so yeah. the goal with buddhism is that i guess over many lifetimes you will eventually have less and less attachments hmm. and then you can you know that generally seems to be like a pleasant idea uh, like um but platonism has similar it's like, um, where's the, like if you actually maybe i'm trying to make it too practical but it's like with that, there's kind of like, where's the end goal? Like, yeah. like when are you actually detached? Like, I guess that is probably a misconstrual of it in general. Because it's like, I don't want to mischaracterize it by saying like, oh, you're now detached. And like, it's probably a yeah. long spectrum and then eventually... Well, so Buddhism doesn't is, um, teach that like... So for most people in Buddhism, you have the middle way hmm. um, where you can live a normal life. But the idea is that you try not to um, need these things. Um, so, for example, if you um, if you can't live without uh, this person, or if you can't live without this job, or if you can't live without um, sex or something like that, um, if you have these needs, these desires, these lusts for this or that thing, um, then that's an attachment. So the idea would be like, for example, the human body needs to eat. It needs to sustain itself. So a Buddhist who is detached from food would eat to sustain themselves. Mm. They would eat um, because much, much like it keeps the body alive. Whereas a non-enlightened individual, someone who is mm. still attached to things like food, would um, be discontent without food. So a Buddhist, mm. for example, um, they need food, in quotes, in that their body needs it. But... They are content if they had food taken away from them. They would be completely content and happy just starving mm. and dying. Um, so it's not like it's not to make one's body into a superhuman or something yes. like that, um, where they don't. Where the so the the idea is the body needs food, mm. and so Buddhists eat to sustain the body that they've got, but yes. they don't eat to sustain them their consciousness. Yes. So it's like the, this thing that you like. But then I, I wonder how much the application would be like, should you still then pursue a career in an ambitious manner? Well, yes, yeah, so it's altruistic. Like, this is the thing. Um, Buddhism I mean, does teach altruism and charity mm. and things like that. 
Um, but like they would, the idea would be you get a job, you get a career to um, sustain your life, mm. but not because you want it and desire it, but because it is um, something that must be done. For example, you need money to eat, um, and so you need to get a job to get money to eat. Um, if you have a family, you need to feed your whole family, so you need to get a bit more money, that sort of thing. But the, the enlightened individual would, again, if they, if there's no job available, they would be like, okay, guess I'm going to starve, and then they die, and it doesn't matter to them because it's mm. all an illusion anyway. So it's kind of like how, um, I guess, when you're playing a video game, um, and you're like, I don't know, let's say you're playing Skyrim, and you're like in a fight, and your health is getting low, you need to take a health potion, right? Yeah. But like, you're not going to, well, at least you shouldn't, um, actually get upset if you die, or if you don't have a health potion in your inventory. You should just be like, oh, it's just a game, I can just reload my save, it's fine. Mm. Um, like, you yeah, shouldn't get attached. Isn't so, there, I feel like there can be some utility in negative emotions. Like, well, like, say in stoicism, like, I feel like there's this overall, <clears throat> not a, like, you should not have emotions at all, but, like, there's an overall damper yeah. in, 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 that's generally encouraged. And I feel as though that, over the long term, isn't, like, the best idea. Because, like, even negative emotions, it's, like, I, don't, I wouldn't want to, like, say if I was, like, oh, I feel like crying, and I was just, like, no, yeah. I just repress this. Yeah. And then... I just didn't like it. Yeah. That's well, see with stoicism, it's like it, it teaches that bad things happen, and you're allowed to be sad or angry or whatever about it. Yeah. Um, but but just don't like let it ruin yeah. your life. Just you like know? control it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which I kind of think is okay. And it's it's over the long term. It's quite a common thing in pagan um, philosophies. It, it's Plato teaches a little bit of this as well. Um, the idea that negative emotions aren't necessarily evil mm. um but they're evil when they take control um so like uh, a plato a platonist might say that uh, anger for example is uh the function of the second part of the soul mm. um the the thumos and so a wise man a sage would um the first part of his soul the intellect would regulate anger in such a way that the anger is directed at what is bad and um, love, passion is directed at what is good. Um, mm -hmm. And so, like, again, like sadness, you, you get sad over what is worth being sad about. Yes, that's true. Whereas a Buddhist would say, like, like no, it's, it's not worth it. It's just an illusion. There's nothing really to be mm. sad about. Um, and so the, like, that's literally the idea that if a bad thing happens in the world, it causes suffering, yes? It's so like, yeah. let's say if you're, um, if, like, uh, what's something sad that might happen? Um, someone's, someone gets diabetes. Right, so let's say someone gets diabetes. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's say it's yourself, and so you get sad about that. The Buddhist would say, like, it doesn't matter. Um, it's not worth being sad about because it's an illusion anyway. This diabetes isn't actually real. Um, your illness I, isn't actually I wonder if that's, real. That, I feel like that could be a mischaracterization because I feel as though they have to, there's got to be some level, well, mm, like, there's got to be some level of like, I must react to this. Well, yeah, the Buddhists aren't like, um, Buddhism doesn't teach inaction. It doesn't teach like, oh, don't do anything about diabetes because it's not real anyway. Yes. Because yes. it still causes suffering. 
So yeah. the the root, the core of the philosophy is that the diabetes causes suffering, mm. and so you can worry about it or not worry about it, and whether or like your reaction to it is what causes that suffering. Right. And so it's the idea is to realize that the diabetes isn't real. So it doesn't cause you suffering, mm. but that but doesn't mean you, you let other people get diabetes. Yeah, or you should because they should haven't you still been... do your best to combat that in every way. Like, I feel like that you should definitely react in the sense, not emotionally, but like yes, emotionally in some sense, but like I don't know if you should. Like I definitely think you should have some reaction in terms of like this is my action plan moving forward. What do I yeah. do day one? I'm so like, let's say if you get diabetes, yeah, as a Buddhist. Yeah, you the the enlightened Buddhist would be like, oh, okay, cool. I've got diabetes. Doesn't matter. Mm. But they would still act to um, be healthier, be healthier, yeah. like to mitigate the symptoms because mm. they are um, still in the world, mm. and so they're not just gonna like you can't just let like, themselves die if yeah. they can prevent that. But the, the the just the idea is like if they've got diabetes and um, they can't do anything about it. They sh- they wouldn't care mm. because they know it's to not real. In some ways. Yeah, there would be some similarities because that's like the general message that I get is like the very internal and external locus of control focused. Like it seems to be yeah. like if you cannot control this, then it's not something you should really spend any time on. Yeah. And I found that probably the most useful thing about stoicism. Like now I can go to the supermarket and like be stupid with my friends, and I don't care. Like. If someone's yeah. like, whoa, like, I'm, not, I'm not sitting there thinking like, what is someone thinking about like my hair or something yeah. like I, I, there's probably an element of that cause I'm a human being, but like <laughs> it's definitely a much decreased level in general yeah. of what white society is thinking. Like yeah. that, I, that sort of issue just isn't really present. And like, if there's something that happens where I'm like, oh, there's this thing that like made me lose time or like maybe have to spend a bunch of money, um, like pay something off or something like that. Mm. Like that, that now is very like, Oh, it's fine. Like yeah. I, I, I would just move. What's the thing that I need to do next? Yeah. Pretty much. Which I find is very, probably the most applicable thing from stoicism that I've taken, I would say. Yeah. Um, so like, I guess the, the slight difference between that and Buddhism is that in Buddhism, um, they pinpoint all the things in the, like they they say the world is suffering, mm. whereas the Stoic would say um, no, the world is not suffering. The world is um, inherently good by nature, mm. um, and so it it just when bad things happen, it, if it's in your control or not, that's uh, you you do what you can. Um, whereas the Buddhists would say no, the world is bad. It's it's not a good thing. It's not even a real thing. It's mm. just an illusion. Um, and so they would say worldly things are the cause of suffering rather than the way you respond to it. So, um, think about like diabetes, for example, if, if you get diabetes, what causes you to suffer because of that? Like what emotionally, I mean, like if you're sad about getting diabetes, what would, why would, what would you actually be sad about? Well, all the, the only things that are coming to my mind are like the symptoms, the end state. Exactly. Oh, the, Exactly, yeah. yeah. Your health. But you should, I think you should be... That, like, poor... Negative health, 100%. You are way more likely to have poor health, like, psychological health outcomes. Yeah. Like, you're fucked. Yeah, and so this is what the Buddhist is saying. Like, you get diabetes, mm. you get bad health. Mm. And so then that's what you're sad about. 
You're not yeah. sad about the fact that you've got diabetes. You're sad about the fact that the diabetes is going to cause all what, these yeah, things the to happen. End stage manifestation. And so the Buddha says that is an attachment. It's you're attached to the body. Mm. You're worried about what happens to the body. Well, that would be and quite useful mind. for myself because it's like I have a chronic condition, and it's like I've many times thought like, how do you figure out the best? Like that's kind of the main reason I'm pursuing philosophy because it's like. Yeah. If I can not have that thing be negative to my psychology, yeah, then it's like, oh, cool. That's a whole huge yeah. thing. Just Buddhism would definitely fault. be useful in that regard. Like mm-hmm. it would definitely um, help that, but stoicism would as well. Yeah, that's um, what I found. Is the stoicism? Like, it's like yeah. you have scoliosis. Cool, bro. Yeah. What's next? Like it. It's just mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Buddhist. So I guess the difference is that Stoicism doesn't teach that the body is bad. Mm. It doesn't teach that the body is the cause of the suffering. It teaches what you think about it is about what has happened that causes suffering. Mm. Whereas the Buddhist would teach that the body is the cause of suffering. The yeah. body creates an attachment. You you get attached to the body because just because you're living in it, mm. and so that causes suffering. So does uh, all so sorts of other it's, things. It's really focusing on that like aspect of the the. The illusion of ego and law, like whatever you are, yeah, and then the material self, like yeah, that I don't know. So I the reason the Buddhist would, or the reason the Buddhist would say a person would get sad about getting sick, mm. is because they're attached to their body. They identify mm. their body but as really something that's important, something that matters. Give it up or not? Yeah, like, like I shouldn't be worried. Oh, I don't. And so this is why yeah. Buddhists. This is why you mm. don't have stoic monasteries, for example. But you have Buddhist monasteries. Why Buddhists go and be monks? Because mm. they're detaching themselves from the world as much as they can. Mm. They've still got a body. They still have relationships to a certain degree with the yeah. other monks. Um, but they detach themselves from things like ambition, yeah. from lust, from uh, desire for but all sorts of things, I from think fame. From they, they, take, they get rid of their names. They... Mm. they 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 for they shun their duties and mm. things like that they might have to their family or society and the reason they do this is because they see these things as being the cause of suffering they don't want to be part of that they don't want to be caused suffering by that so they go and retreat into these monasteries where they can realize the emptiness and the nothingness they can realize um that all of it is an illusion and then have true um happiness i guess yeah because i don't know i feel as though that idea of like general generally being less attached to yourself in general and like for instance like alex has told me about this idea of like a dopamine detox where it's like you're less any sort of i like because i feel like nowadays we're kind of like always stimulated by something yeah so it's like enforcing ways into your life to have less occupied yeah dopamine asceticism flow. is what it's called yeah like the fact that i can just reach my phone at any moment or it's like all that sort of stuff it's very i find that's generally like generally relatively problematic yeah. and i feel like having less of that would be quite useful in general like i feel like you would lead a because for me, the goal, a lot of the goal of philosophy is the materialistic stuff. It is to be more productive. It is to have a higher output, higher quality of life. Like, and then I feel as though some of the benefits, like, 
as long as it's achieving that goal, then I'm like, okay, cool. Philosophy is doing its job. Mm. But it's definitely still completely ignoring, like, like the any any sort of religious aspect to it or spiritual yeah. aspect to it is like definitely getting brushed aside, like yeah. especially by and that's um, just the, and yeah, that's the core of um, modern Western um, philosophies and interpretations mm-hmm. of philosophy. It's all about the. Uh, about material things and like or just the material world like it mm. never goes beyond that so well, that's why secular buddhism i think is kind of a contradiction because um although it's teaching you to you know not need these things as much it's not mm. really teaching it for a purpose other than just being more happy being more content mm. whereas in traditional buddhism the purpose isn't just to be happy and content in life because you don't need the life. Like, there's mm. no point being happy and content. It's missing That's, that kind of final it, step. It, it misses, the, yeah, that one yeah. final attachment. Yeah. And that is the attachment to contentedness, mm. to happiness. Otherwise, it's like you're only ever going to get on the spectrum of um, how detached yeah. are you, rather than, like... Yeah. And so I guess in, like, Buddhist theology, mm. um, if even if you've detached yourself from all these other ego demands mm. for the purpose of just being content and happy mm. with what you have, you're going to eventually come back into the world. You're going to reincarnate because you're going to still want to pursue that happiness, that, that contentedness that you feel from, mm. um, from just detaching from other desires. Mm. You've still got that one attachment. Um, and that's where I think a lot of um, these like so-called secular philosophies fail um, is that they they miss out on that spiritual side of things? Mm. Um, yeah. Now I'm not a Buddhist, and I don't. Um, I have my own criticisms of Buddhism, but um, I think as a spiritual philosophy, it helps a lot of people, and it's very valuable and good. Mm. Um, and a lot of my criticisms are on on secular Buddhism mm. as well. But it's definitely something that I would like. It's a very weird because it's like you've I've kind of drawn a line in my mind of like no I'm just not religious yeah and it's like but then in some sense it's it's very like it's constantly like a a, a push and pull because it's like maybe two years ago I would have been looking at the arguments for the four horsemen and be like I should read more of this I should for some reason I need to spend time understanding why I should not like religion yeah it's like I don't I don't know. I guess there are problematic things about some religions, but it's just like, I don't want to invest time in that. And then also it's completely shutting me off to the idea of like, what if that enhanced my life? But it's like, there's this, it's like once you've kind of crossed the line of like, I'm not religious Mm. and then you'll generally associate with less people who are religious. And then it's like, you're within people who don't practice religion. Often there'll be like jokes about like, Oh, ha ha religion. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's like, I don't know, it, it, th- that feels problematic to me because it's like, you actually don't understand that much about religion. Like you don't, the, these are the kind of people who haven't actually spoken to a religious person and like understood mm. like, oh, this makes sense. Like, you know, and it's... Usually the understanding of religion is just Protestant Christianity. Yes, 100%. <laughs> it's like, oh, so God parted the seas or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's like, that's the main thing. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's like, I still understand like nothing about it. And it's weird for me to then be like, oh, but it sucks. Yeah. It, it doesn't really, 
makes sense. But I, I do definitely think it's going to be a struggle to fig- figure out. Because um, it's like, there's no time when I'm like, oh, now's the time I should actively integrate this. Yeah. But I guess maybe when I'm like legitimately seeking stillness and yeah. just chilling out, then maybe that'll be the kind of time. When, or like I'll have some, I'll, <laughs> I'll have some like LSD trip where I'll be like, wow, God was talking to me. Because apparently that, that's what Michael Pollan talks about in the book a lot. Um, that was one of the first thing that, things that opened it up to me is he was talking about in his book, and I don't think he's religious. Yeah. Um, where he was talking about how multiple people had been having religious experiences while taking LSD. And like, we, we talked a little bit about psychedelics and it's like, I don't think I'm going to use that as a method. Yeah. Just to be clear. Like, <laughs> but cause I really have no intention of like using that as a tool cause it's kind of, um, problematic. Um, potentially, I don't know. We'll see. Um, Alex would probably be fuming at that, <laughs> that comment, but yeah, I, I, I don't know what tool I will use to, um, become more spiritual or learn more about spirituality, but oh, I think the best tool for it is philosophy. Mm. Um, I, I don't even, even I mean, like something like secular Buddhism, like it's no, like, like, no. like a secular Buddhist. I mean, it, I feel it, like it, it can be best. a step, but like, yes. um, I think the first, so a lot of people like might talk about a conversion experience, like having a, um, like a turning point in their life mm. where like they suddenly had something happen, whether it's like a emotional crisis, like maybe they're in a dark place mm. and they, they try to find some way to get out of that dark place. So they use religion. Mm. I think that's the worst time in a person's life to be um, adopting a new religion. But if mm. it helps them, that's fine. Um, or they have like a psychedelic anonymous. Don't yeah. they have to adopt religion? I don't know. I think they have to. I, I think there's know. some. Uh, I know, but like, I think there's some level of like. I mean, I think it. I, I would have a different view of it if it was under guidance. But like, um, I think you know when you're in in a in a place like that um, where you're like at a really low point in life. Um, the religion, you, you approach it with all sorts of expectations mm. and then it won't always live up to that. And, um, it, it might, it might cause all kinds of other problems psychologically yeah, as well. Cause then it's like um, you're relying on it. Yeah. Rather than it like, just becomes a, explore this. Yeah. Um, but I, I've, I mean, it's helped a lot of people I've seen and that's fine for them, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's just, I wouldn't like recommend <laughs> If, if someone was in a bad place, I wouldn't say, hey, look at this religion. Mm. Um, that's not how I would help them. I guess that's what I'm saying. Mm. Um, but if they, but if you they might come to like themselves... You of meditations or something. Maybe. I don't know. Um, that's what they, I would do. If, if, my, they if came my friend from, was like, man, I, I need to learn some new skill to make my life generally better, mm. I'd be like, mate, <laughs> have I got the book for you? And I would just hand yeah. him like... People also come to religion after having things like psychedelic experiences, which again, it makes sense to me why that would be the case. Um, But I think the best way to actually approach religion, the first step, of course, you need to want it. Um, Mm. You can never approach it um, with the mindset of, I'm I'm going to disprove this or I'm going to see if this is real. Mm. Um, it, It should never be like that. It should always be like, I want... Um, I want to like do this. I want this to be a part of my life. I can see that there would be benefits in it, yeah. um, and that sort of thing. And um, I want to, you know, I want to do it. And then from there, 
pursue philosophy think about um like uh, read it read plato and all that yeah. and, is there any or if you wanted books to, on buddhism that you know that i could like um maybe something by the dalai lama yeah the dalai lama is good i'd recommend him i haven't read any of his stuff but i like trust him as a, a spiritual <laughs> authority yeah <laughs> um i would uh if you want to look more into buddhist buddhist stuff i would look into it um from the context of how it has been integrated into a different culture into a spiritual system mm. so things like the art of the samurai mm. um that isn't that isn't this isn't buddhist canon like it's not a buddhist sacred text yeah but it it conveys a spirituality which uses mm. a lot of buddhist thought yeah um so i would recommend trying to look for that sort of thing where it's where buddhism is like a living breathing tradition that Maybe is a part of a wider should i try and embody the bushido code that would be a good start i think mm. maybe um, there's certain elements but again and this is the second point that i wanted to come across that i wanted to bring up um when you asked about the best way to come to a religion um is practice it mm. um the, mm. the, i feel like it's part of the bushido part, yeah I, but i've done, it, I've done it before part. i've prayed at least like four times in my life before and it wasn't to any specific religious god. Yeah. It was probably to a more Christian-y god, if that makes sense. Yeah. But, like, that was the format yeah. in general. And it was, like, an interesting experience. It yeah. was, But it was always in times of, like, emotional distress or, like, yeah. uh, some obstacle that had to be overcome. Yeah. And that's, Rather than, like, I'm just... I'm, although, yeah. a few times, it was probably at least once or twice just being like, oh, man, I'm grateful as fuck, life's yeah. going well. Or something like that. I mean, that's why I guess, like, um, if you pray, for example, in a time of great need, mm. and you then get that prayer answered, mm. you're going to then, because you've done it in time of need, you're going to go into prayer with that expectation that yeah. you're going to have, like, a powerful experience each time. Yeah. When I've, And I've talked about this before. It's not like a, it's not like a religious experience is always going to be something like a miracle. A religious experience is just literally looking at the world in a spiritual way. Mm. Um, and it's usually just very casual and not as, like, you know, punch in your face kind of thing. Mm. That's um, often how I feel when I meditate. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm like, um, I don't know, it's just, I'm the closest to whatever they're describing when they're talking about the illusion of the yeah. I'm the closest to that. Yeah. Or, Whatever form I'm taking is primarily just me in my head, or yeah, <laughs> I'm located somewhere, yeah. <laughs> wherever, wherever that is. I mean, um, the thing with practice, like if you were to embody the Bushido code, a part of the Bushido code is is to honor the gods and ancestors. Yeah. Um, mm. Whoever they may be for you. Yes. So, like, that's no. why I recommend... Maybe I was recently related to Marcus Aurelius or something. <laughs> Maybe. That's why I recommend things like the art of the Samurai and mm. other texts which integrate Buddhism into a wider spiritual practice because mm. um, you can see... Because in Buddhism, if you take Buddhism in its purest form, it's not about worshipping gods or anything like that. The practice is literally just, like, contemplation and detachment. Um I mean, even in Buddhism's origins, it rejected the priest's class. Um, it, it's, it kind of uh, revolted against them and said, like, no, don't take these guys as authority. Um, just literally detach. And so they, they yeah. saw Buddha, the origin, like Buddha and original 
uh, his original disciples um, thought like, well, these religious institutions, all this worship, all these performing of sacrifices and things like that, it's an attachment. Mm. Um, whereas like the art of the samurai integrates that. Right. So um, it's more like this is how you actually yeah. bring this into a lifestyle yeah. and make this practically applicable. That's like the main things that I've liked about Ryan Holiday's work is like every single chapter he'll have some kind of like this is a real life example. Yeah. Sometimes it's like a little stretched. Like it's like, oh, is that what that is that a lesson of that? Yeah. But it's like for the most part, I think they're relatively accurate. Yeah. Um, like with Buddhism, Buddhism on its own, I wouldn't call it a religion. And a lot of Buddhists don't call it a religion either, mm. especially in the West. Um, they'll call it like a way of life or a philosophy or something like that. Mm. Um, and I guess that the reason I wouldn't call it a religion in the proper sense is because it doesn't, um, it doesn't come with the, the practice. It doesn't come with the sense of duty and devotion to gods or whatever. Um, mm it's in its in its pure form it it, it seeks to complement uh religion but it isn't a religion on its own because it doesn't have all that so mm, so we can't can, do, you, do you reckon well i kind of do think some of the things do you think there's any obviously conflicting things between buddhism and stoicism because it's like it would be nice to have a, a a eventually amass a large amount of philosophies where i'm like in general i agree with everything that's in here but yeah. you, I mean, you would have to understand the philosophy quite deep. Well, that's like where the lines of what is included or mm, canon in the philosophy. Stoicism, a big part of Stoicism is its materialism. So it sees the mm. world as real. Like, and, it, and in many cases, the world is all there is. Um, mm. So it sees, uh, it, it takes a pantheistic approach where it sees the world as God um, or the universe as God. That's not to say that the gods are physical, but that whatever they are, um, is within the world. There's no sort of idea of uh, a transcendent. So the, mm. the the world is like the highest principle, basically. Um, whereas in Buddhism, it says, no, the world isn't a thing. It's illusion. It's evil. Mm. Um, and it is the cause of suffering. Whereas Stoics would say, like, no, the world is, is real. Um, it, it's all there is. It's um, part of the the natural order. And so... Um, I guess the goal with Stoicism, uh, traditional Stoicism or pagan Stoicism, is to live entirely um, in line with the the laws of the gods and the world, mm. whereas the goal of Buddhism is to completely detach from the world. Mm. Um, no laws yes. or anything. Yeah, that definitely um, makes sense. That definitely, yeah. um, I think, illustrates the difference between them quite well. It's yeah. like... In Stoicism, you're always trying to sort of align well with yeah. the virtues. Like, Stoicism has no efforts to escape the world, whereas Buddhism, yeah. um, the, the main goal is to escape the world. Mm. The main goal is to escape the cycle of death mm. and rebirth. Whereas a Stoic, a pagan Stoic, in ancient Rome, for example, would um, say, like, well, we need, to, we need to fulfill our duties to our ancestors and descendants. We need to um, do, like, our best so that when we come back to the world... Um, or our descendants come into the world or whatever, um, they are, you know, living as best they can. And mm. there's a concern with things like... Uh, I mean, Stoicism does concern with the ego. It mm. does concern with the material world. Um, that's, that's a part of the philosophy that you can't really take out of it. Mm. So I guess 
modern stars. I think it's secular. very like practically applicable to rise up hierarchies. Yep. Like it, it could seems be. as though that's one of the very good use cases of stuff. Mm. I don't know if use cases is wrong, but like in general, it seems as though like it's very aimed yeah. at that. Uh, or at least, if not, I feel like directly like to Rome rise was kind up. of like that. It's like yeah. they had very obvious hierarchies yeah. and like material. Yeah. Sort of. Done. But I guess with Stoicism, the idea wasn't to rise up and be- become greater or become more. It's just mm. if you don't have that happen, it's not a big deal. So yeah. it's just to be content with what you've got, do your duties. But do your best, yeah. at the very least. Yeah. Like, so like, they saw duties mm. as part of life. It, it's part of what you have. So if your yeah. duty was to be a farmer, you're going to live out that duty the best you can. Yeah. If but your duty was to like conquer Germania, then you're yeah. going to live out that duty as best you can. Mm. And um, Aurelius did that yeah. to the best of his ability. <laughs> Like I like I saw once um, when you post about stoicism on Instagram, you got some replies to a story, um, criticizing. So like you asked for some critiques yeah, of stoicism. Yeah, they were quite interesting. What? And one of those was about how like Marcus Aurelius, for example, um, wasn't the best stoic because he had like lavish parties and he lived in luxury and he mm. um, he went and like committed atrocities against foreigners and his own people, um, but that's not what stoicism is about like yeah. stoicism doesn't care if you're an emperor stoicism doesn't say you're bad for going and um slaughtering all these germanic people mm. or having this really wealthy dinner party it and says also it's like if, if that's if your you're position comparing one emperor to another then it's like that's a fair comparison but yeah. you cannot compare an emperor to like average citizen person who's like a farmer yeah because it's like the access to do bad is so much greater. Yeah. But also... Like your access to power and any materialistic yeah. thing you want. But also, you have to consider his duty as well. And his, mm. like... The, the thing with Stoicism, it's to just be content with what you have. It's it's to um, embrace what you've been given, essentially. And, and when combined with Roman paganism, the idea was that the emperor is there because Jupiter and the gods have put him there mm. and want him to rule the world to expand the borders of Rome, to conquer the Germans and Jeez. all that. Um, and part of that was to have dinner parties and and entertain guests and things like that. Like it was all part yeah. of the duty. Like the finer things in life yeah. sort of are somewhat acknowledged. Yeah. And like, but it's not like... Um, that's not to say that stoicism is like encouraging um, no. having heaps of money, but I definitely do agree. It's like these things come yeah. along. So like stoicism doesn't encourage anyone any old person to just get up and say all right i'm going to conquer these people (laughs) but it encourages if your duty is that's if your duty to the gods is Mm. to expand your the empire of the gods Mm. um or to protect the uh or to like you know punish people who insult the gods um and and that sort of thing if that is your role in life if that's your duty Mm. then you're going to have to live out that duty to the best of your ability. Same yeah. as if your duty is to farm wheat, you're going to do that. Um, and so Marcus Aurelius's duty was to... Uh, he, he had a duty to the gods. Like, it wasn't like he he was like, oh, no, it doesn't... This duty is bad and unvirtuous. I'm not going <laughs> to do it. It was more, well, okay, this is my duty. I'm gonna, yeah, because yeah, um, like, it's yeah. not like he had much of a choice either. Yeah. Like, it's not like he was standing there like, oh... Is, am I going to try and be emperor? Yeah. Like it was more like, 
uh, call your yeah. emperor now. And so virtue for, for the Stoic is um, basically to live according to the natural order of things, mm. to live as the gods have um, given you, have, have chosen for you to live. It's like if you're born an emperor, the gods have obviously chosen for that to be the case. And so you're going to live that way. Um, a contrast with um, Platonism a bit in that um, virtue is detached a bit from what we've been given in life. So, for example, in Platonism, um, if you're born in a wealthy emperor, that doesn't mean it's virtuous to live that way. Right. Um, because you've, you might have been given that position, but it could be a punishment or a test. Or something like that. Um, so Platonism and all that does acknowledge uh, uh, the natural order, the law of the gods, and things like that. But um, it it doesn't say that uh, living in this or that way, um, just because you've been born that way or been given this opportunity, is necessarily virtuous. Mm. Um, so a Platonist might not necessarily see Marcus Aurelius's ac- actions in Germany as virtuous. Um, or his actions against Christians is virtuous, whereas a Stoic might, because he's just living the function he was given. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and yeah. it's like you've kind of got to embrace that function in a way. Yeah. And I, th- that's what I think, I, I guess what I've taken from it is like, and I think it's um, somewhat problematic. Like, it's, it's one of the things that's made me very, like, hierarchy running focused. Like, yeah. I'm just trying to run up multiple hierarchies, and, like, it's it's a it's playing this game of like how fast can I run up all these hierarchies yeah and it's like I, I wonder if that is the most um euthymic way or the most the way that seeks uh what is the other one Eudonia Eudemonia I think Eudem- Eudem- I'm probably butchering the word yeah honestly. my friend Lyndon actually wrote a really cool article about that word it was like this is the ideal of Eudemonia how, how do we like I think euthymia seems along like a similar um, yeah. vein, but I, it's like purpose or meaning or something. Yeah, I think it's like yeah. to feel as though you're on the right path, right? Which is kind of nice. Like, I feel like that's what religion can potentially provide. It's yeah. like the sense of euthymia, but I don't think it's necessarily um, vital as well because there's lots of people who have definitely reached euthymia or as close as yeah. your normal human will get to reaching that. One thing that. Um Religion gives, I guess, that secular philosophies wouldn't in regards to feeling like you're on the right path is the idea that that path goes beyond your lifespan hmm. in a way. Like, uh, for example, in, um, in just my religion's general theology and philosophy, if we take Platonism out of it and all that, um, the goal is um, that you're not living for yourself, hmm. um, but that you're your your life continues after death and so you you should live well and die well and then live well in death is also so it's like you're constantly um changing forms and things like that and so you have a purpose beyond just self-fulfillment and all that um for example uh you have a duty that duty is a big thing um you have all sorts of duties duty to the family duty to the gods duty to any like local um, spirits or things like that, um, duty to any oaths you might have sworn. Um, and so you have to fulfill all of these duties and that duty gives purpose. Mm. But then also um, after you die, there's the idea that you're either going to come back to the world um, or you're going to transcend and go live among the gods. 
mm. um, or you're gonna uh, live as sort of like a guide for your descendants or for people living in the area. Mm. There's all kinds of different things that could like happen after death. But without that kind of, like, I I am never able to acknowledge that step. Yeah. Because it's like I'm just like no, that can't be a thing. That's a you big know? step. It's, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like no, that and no philosophy am I able to be like, or no view of the world am I able to be like oh. There is something other than this material world. Yeah. And like, because for me, it's like there needs to be some, um, oh, here is logical argument X, Y, Z. But it's like, it's very hard to do that. Yeah. Especially when you've like gone and sought out like, oh, what are the logical arguments against it? So now it's like, you have to push yourself back along this like rational thinking sort of um, swing. Because I would like to have an equal chance at either being like, no, religion's not for me, or yes, religion is for me. Yeah. You know, like, I, yeah, I would like to be somewhere there, but, yeah. Yeah, that's why I recommend, um, if someone, like, to anyone who would want to, um, to anyone who would want (laughs) to, to anyone who would want to get into, like, religion, um, I'd recommend practice, first of all, Mm. um, because of these big steps, like, it's a big... If you've grown up with no, sort of, like, believing that... There's no hint of... The afterlife, for example, yes. is illogical. Yes. You're, nothing is going to convince you otherwise. Yeah. Like, you could read all these philosophy books and things like that, um, but it's never going to convince you because it doesn't change anything. Like, mm. you're always going to approach it from your own lens. Whereas, um, with practice when you start to actually practice a religion, Mm. it it changes the way you think just automatically. Um, So like you start with just the basic things of doing these duties, um, fulfilling and and that, that duty gives meaning. Like when you, if you start praying each day or praying each week or whatever, um, there's a a purpose that starts to form. Yeah. Um, I guess. And then that's eventually you start to ponder things. You have experiences. Yeah. I guess with that, there would have to be some kind of, um, like I was watching a video today about like, how does a secular Buddhist practice? Yeah. And, uh, maybe I should go back and watch the video because I was not really listening to it too well. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. I think it'd be useful to incorporate something like that. Um, especially if it's like, if the goal is to like, at least explore it, then it's like, you can't really not explore it. Yeah. Like, because then it's like, how are you actually exploring it? You could read the texts. Yeah. But like, like no one converts to a religion in their armchair. Like, it yeah. it has to be there has to be some kind of yeah. integration of that in your life. Hmm. Like I, I was raised atheist. I came, I didn't come to my religion after answering any big questions like afterlife or the soul or anything like that. Hmm. Um, I just started doing it. Like, it's, yeah, it's like, you and then all the beliefs came like, after. It, is there the most rational argument? Yeah. And then you looked at all the rational arguments and like, oh, this one works. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Jeez. Like, I just, like, it, it, I mean, it works. Mm. No, yeah. like <laughs> it, it changes, like, if you change your lifestyle, you change the way you look at life. Yes. And like, I, I feel like mine is very, there's no, nothing else is allowed in the sphere of like, echo chamber or whatever. Yeah. It's like, the very, very locked up. Um, and, I definitely in the last like six months I've been or maybe a year I've been more somewhat open to even thinking about looking at it you know yeah but it's it, like 
a while ago I was just like no no there's no point <laughs> yeah there's nothing useful here <laughs> the materialistic world won't benefit from this yeah. I will not move up any hierarchy it's like um, very um, materialistic focus but yeah anyway um, so should we end it off there um, yeah where can people find you online Jason you can find me on my website www.talesfromardon.com uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram um, at Tales from Ardon. I'm also on Medium and TikTok at Jason C. Malone. And those will be in the show notes. Yeah. Um, if you want to check out the Secular Buddhist podcast, that was interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I, I will probably keep listening to it. So if you want to go check that out, it's literally just called Secular Buddhist. Um, if you want to find me online, you can find me at James underscore Walsham on Instagram or the hypertrophy hub on youtube um podcasts or on instagram cool cool thank you for listening have a good week